All right, we've got a fun episode of Side Retired, the LV podcast coming at you guys today. It's just Dylan and Jack. We're not going to have a guest on, but instead we're going to be discussing the very intriguing pitch clock as we saw it up close in person today. So we're going to tell you our initial thoughts and what we want to talk about in the future with the pitch clock. So let's hit the intro music and we'll get right into this. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan Campione, joined alongside Jack Staffenbach, as always. And Jack, how are you doing today? Just the two of us. Fantastic. You know, March Madness is upon us. And also baseball's um, next closest to uh, the tournament coming up as well, WBC. So certainly after a, a really cold spot in February, the drought following the Super Bowl, you know, definitely going to be amped up with Lots of exciting sports. Spring training is also in full swing. Have about a little bit under a month until regular season baseball begins. So we are getting back into our regular routine of, you know, a set three-hour block every single night for the next 180 days um, is filled for all of us. So, you know, enjoying the last couple of days where I have 24 available hours instead of just 21. But definitely uh, very excited to get back to it. Well, I am going to push back on the first thing that you just mentioned there, because it doesn't seem like it's three hours of our day anymore. In fact, that the pitch clock has come into play and MLB spring training games are down to roughly two hours and 28 minutes of runtime, as opposed to last year, they were slightly above three hours. So we've really pushed down. I think the statistic is 36 minutes on total, which when you initially think about it, 36 minutes doesn't seem like that much of amount of time. But when you think about it, that is a sixth of the game is now completely gone, whether it's in between pitches whether it's guys got to get in the box and all the fun stuff. So Jack, I know you've been watching a couple of Yankee games this spring training. Has it been noticeable from watching on TV? Can you tell that something's definitely off? Pitchers are rushing, hitters are rushing, or is it still baseball is baseball? And then I'll tell you what I saw today in the ballpark. Um, I think it definitely is. It's an adjustment period more so definitely for the players than myself, a spectator, um, you know, Wandy Peralta uh, of, the, of my New York Yankees struck out a guy in 20 seconds in the same time. You know, there's the famous clip from the, the NLCS in which, you know, people will use that a lot. I've seen Jose Altuve inside the parks, compilations with it, various things. You can you can take 14 of Wandy Peralta's pitch time, pitch clock pitches in the same span. It took him to throw one pitch in the NLCS. So I think there's a lot of good coming, coming of it. Certainly there's sloppiness now. You know, it hasn't even been implemented for two weeks. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of errors. Um, I think players... As a whole, you know, I, I read one quote from Aaron Judge saying he thinks in the end, um, while lots of players are upset about it now, I think if you look at the integration of the shot clock or the NFL play clock, you know, while those aren't apples to apples because those games are based on a clock, unlike baseball, I think you are going to see players will get adjusted to it. It's overall going to be good for the game. And you're going to see more so more so than ever as players do get adjusted. It's going to be more crisper. It's going to be you know, lots of the flow is going to be changing as you meant. As you said, you know, the integration of it right away chopped off a half hour immediately. I think that speaks a lot to the volumes of what it can bring that's good. And then also you, you see how it's done in the minor leagues. I think it's just going to be overall, um, it's going to improve fan enjoyment. And it's going to, you're going to see, you know, no one's going to be stopping to watch a baseball game because of a pitch clock, but you're going to see more fans and especially younger fans maybe be more intrigued at the two and a half hour runtime as opposed to three hours. I think if we did this episode earlier in the week, I would have had a much bigger problem with it. And I know when we talked about it, we mentioned initially the whole pitchers are going to be rushed. The big moments in the big games, you need to have amount of time 
and you need to sort of let a pitcher decide when he wants to throw the ball and when he's ready to throw the ball and when the batter's all set up and all that stuff. And while I agree, seeing it in person, and maybe it was because of today's, I guess when we're recording today, was the Mets versus Cardinals games. There were zero violations, zero infraction. The pitcher was always ready. The batter was always ready. And it didn't seem to interfere with the actual play of the game. Now, you could also make the argument at spring training. The results don't matter. So it doesn't really, you don't care if there was a pitch violation. And there would be a much bigger story like we saw even in that Red Sox, I believe it was Red Sox twins, correct me if I'm wrong, where the game right. ended. Yeah. So the game ended with the called third strike in in spring training. That was a big storyline for 24 hours. It doesn't matter. It's spring training. We will have a bigger issue if there's a game in the regular season that is called a controversial strike three because the game ends on a pitch clock violation. However, in the minor leagues, as you're mentioning, it doesn't happen that often. I think the statistic that Jeff Passon threw out there is that every other game, there's one violation. And that could be a random strike in the fourth inning. But yes, in theory, that could also be the last strike of the ninth inning. I think watching the game, it is an adjustment. The game moved by really quickly. We arrived a little bit late, which usually, okay, you're in the first inning. No worries. We were in the third inning by the time we got into the stadium. Or maybe second, because we did see Kodai Senga pitch. But it's also game you're two hours in, and all of a sudden the game's already in the seventh inning, eighth inning. It's almost over. For the fan, that's really difficult, because you're not at the ballpark as often as you are anymore with a long game, a tailgating. You could tailgate and post-game a baseball game now in probably three hours, three and a half hours, whereas in the past it would be a full five-hour experiment. It's definitely a different style of baseball, and that the pitcher... You almost can get preoccupied looking at the clock and saying, all right, 15, 14, 13. I know at the Mets game a couple of days ago, there were fans that were like counting out the pitch clock loud and got in unison. And at a spring training ballpark where there's only 5,000 people there anyways, everyone definitely heard it. And seeing Senga, I believe the Cardinals pitcher Jordan Montgomery just go about their normal routine, it didn't really affect today's game. I think I would have had a different experience if I went. Friday, I believe the game was when Max Scherzer, who's the guy, and you can probably look on YouTube, Twitter, and see it, he's really messing with the clock. He'll come set at 15, and knowing that a batter can't step out because they use their timeout, he will literally just stand there and hold the ball for 13, 14, and then throw at 15 because batter's uncomfortable. He wants to call timeout. He can't. And as soon as Scherzer saw that, oh, he drops the batter a little, he needs to rest, ball's coming in, you're struck out. It's weird. I know we're eliminating part of the strategy of baseball by limiting pickoff moves and all that, but there is an, adi- an additional strategy in when to throw the ball, how to maneuver the clock. It's definitely interesting. I'm not going to say I'm pro it yet, but I'm more indifferent. Whereas a couple of days ago, I was like, I hate this. There shouldn't be a clock in baseball. I know there are a couple other rule changes that we probably want to talk about a little bit. The shift, we saw the new Joey Gallo shift, and we've also seen an increase in stolen bases due to the bigger bases. Whichever one you want to take us in the direction with, go for. I'll start with bigger bases. I just, you know, at first I was kind of skeptical when I heard they were listing out, you know, pitch clock, no shift, and then bigger bases. I was kind of perplexing, like, you know, what's that going to do? Adding, you know, I think it's, you know, like two square inches to each base. How much is it? You know, they say it you know, reduces injury, which I think is fair. Um, You could talk about, you know, um, more space, you know, avoid that kind of collision. I know Garrett Cole also mentioned maybe it could be, a potential um potential for increased injury if pitcher like there's no you know previously bases had like a, a surface a peak whereas now they're more flat so pitchers don't really have as much ground to like plant their cleat in so he was kind of voicing concern about could that lead to potential ankle ankle injury so i get there's both sides but i think even if it's a minuscule and kind of um negligible difference in size um even if it's a psychological 
um, change. You know, maybe they're now an increase in success rate. I think more stolen bases is definitely a good thing. Um, you saw, I know Anthony Volpe in his spring training debut decided to steal second and third while he's also, you know, trying to make an impression on a club that's probably hesitant to put him on their opening day lineup. I think having guys like that who are more encouraged now to take those kind of risks, bring back the stolen base into baseball is certainly a good thing. You see these kind of rules. There's an overarching theme, whether it's eliminating the shift to increase more contact and balls in play, singles, doubles, triples, and also stolen bases to have, um, more excitement, guys going, taking off on pitches, and then the pitch clock itself to speed up the pace of play. Baseball is really trying to refine their product. They know they're trying to, you know, increase and expand their fan base. And I think they did, you know, these rules have the potential to really thrive in that matter. We'll see as we get in to regular season games in the next month, what effect that's going to have. But I really do like, the, you know, bringing back a stolen base. I think it's a lost art and one that, you know, could really add so much needed value to several teams. And we've seen the kind of edge teams can have when they bring in the stolen base because, you know, catcher arm, arm strength isn't really prioritized anymore. I mean, you're a team that can really run the bases. It can give you a significant competitive advantage now. I don't want that to be a competitive advantage. I just want it to be a widespread area of the game and an essential and crucial aspect to, uh, to run creation. I know a lot of people want to watch as much baseball as possible, and they're like, oh, I'm locked in on every spring training game. One piece of advice I'd have, and whether it's on a day your team is an off day from spring training or the game's not on TV, but you still want to consume some baseball, go back on YouTube and watch a 1980s baseball game. I know I recently watched game seven of the 1986 World Series, but just go watch that style of play. And you're going to realize what the first day I realized is they were wearing helmets that didn't have the ear flaps and how dangerous was that? Story for another day. But I think... Um, the other thing you'll notice is this new brand of baseball in 2023 is really similar to what they had back in the 80s. The ball is going to be in play. The pitchers just got the ball and threw the ball. The 1986 game, including the post-game ceremony, I think the game or the YouTube video that has it is no longer than four hours, maybe even three and a half. And that's including a pre-game, a post-game, and an actual game that the Mets scored, I believe, seven or eight runs in. So, you know, back in the 1980s, they got the ball, they threw the ball, they hit the ball. There were less strikeouts. They put the ball in play. Pitchers weren't afraid to throw balls. I think that's another thing that maybe it's sort of a different but tangentially related. And that now that pitchers throw the ball 10 times harder, the amount of strike percentages that a pitchers have has gone down significantly. So it's not only a batter problem that the batters are striking out, the pitchers are also walking more batters. Back in the day, a strikeout pitcher like Dwight Gooden struck out eight batters per nine innings. At most, maybe 10 batters per nine innings, which seems like not that much considering now we'll see a guy like Max Scherzer get 18 strikeouts in nine innings. So it's definitely a different style of baseball. I encourage you to watch those games back in the 80s, one or two. I know, Jack, the Yankees weren't that great in the 80s, but, you Both know, you can... Any team in the decade. But they didn't... How many World Series? Two? One? Zero? Mm. Just saying. Might be the worst decade in Yankees. Oh, no, you got... You got yeah, you got this current decade, but... Anyways, I think there is always a fun baseball game. I encourage, I know a lot of our audience is New York based. If you're a Mets fan, watch an 86 game. Yankees fans, there's a ton of really cool games from the 1980s that's worth watching if you haven't yet. Just go watch one of those, maybe the day before Yankees, Mets, or whatever spring training game, and then watch that and see how now we're starting to bridge the gap and getting back to the old traditional baseball, which I think is a good thing because not that the game was becoming unwatchable, but there was a lot of down and boring time in games in 2021, 2022, and so on. Anything else you want to throw in? Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying with in terms of um, getting back to lots of those aspects of style of play. You know, the, the trend 
for t game time has been linearly um, increasing since like the 1970s. Um, we saw back then probably like as you mentioned, like two and a half, two hours and 45 minutes. Now you're seeing like three hours, and that's only been increasing to this past year. Regular season was three hours and six minutes. When, especially when you factor in maybe an NFL game, you know, is a lot of the exact same amount of time as a baseball game. But NFL, it, it is more action-packed on a reg regular basis. And also, it's once a week. You're dedicating three hours of your time to your one team once a week. Baseball being, you know, 180 days a year, you play 162 times. You're going to want your people aren't going to want a lot the same amount of time. You're not going to be tuning in for the same amount of length. And we've seen, you know, the, the economics of the sport is that it's regional networks who, on a nightly basis, broadcast to a tailored audience. Those regional networks are finding the sport to be too expensive now, given that people don't want to sit down for three hours of every single day of their summer, which is frankly understandable. If we can get to a world where it's, you know, you're sitting down for your primetime game at 7.15 and then you're getting out at 9.45, that seems like a paradise for me where it's a perfect time. You're starting right either when you get home from work, kids come in from playing outside, and then you're done with plenty of time to go to bed. It's excellent because it's ending earlier. Kids can actually stay up and watch the end of baseball games, whereas before they're having to go to bed in the fifth, sixth inning. Um, I remember the Jordan Montgomery game this past year for the Yankees when he played against them in his debut for the St. Louis Cardinals. That was a regular season game. Nothing too crazy about it besides the fact there were a lot of runs scored. Nothing other than that out of the ordinary. It was a close to six hours in the dog days of summer. Those are the things we're eliminating. We're eliminating you know, guys like James Karantak demanding a new ball after every pitch. It's going to be a crisper form of baseball. As you mentioned, it's going to be tailored. It's going to be both appealing to older fans who it's going to be more reminiscent of that kind of game from like the 1980s. And then also younger fans, it's really going to be really good to get the younger generation to be more fixated on baseball and have their, you know, shorter attention spans um, better suited for baseball. And it's for anyone who's neutral and will watch baseball, even if they have imaginary runners and seven inning double headers, it's not going to change you either way. So why are you complaining? I don't think this and some of the arguments of when I've talked to you about when I was against the pitch clock, someone's argument was it's going to make fans who don't want to watch baseball. Now they're going to, I think, and you can probably tell me that this is right. I don't think that's the main argument. I don't think if someone likes basketball that all of a sudden you tell them, oh, baseball's got a pitch clock. They're now going to be like, all right, yeah, I'm 100% watching the game. Maybe, 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 maybe you get the people that love baseball and thought it was too long that now they'll tune into the occasional game. But I still don't think like if you tell them it's two and a half hours instead of three, I still think the people that said baseball is too long are still going to say I'm not dedicating two and a half hours in, which is fair. But it is also just the better experience for guys who watch baseball consistently like you or like me, who as much as we'd say we'd consume all the baseball in the world. And if someone's saying get to watch three baseball games today, I'm not complaining at all. But I think we'd much rather watch a crisp, clean baseball game on TV than a long, boring baseball game on TV. At the stadium's a little different. I will admit that because today's game really flew by and I felt like I didn't even get comfortable in my seat that much before we're already doing take me out to the ball game in the seventh inning. And there that could have a problem for the 40,000 people that are actually in their seats. But for the millions of people watching on the TV, it's definitely more of an enjoyable experience. Just going back quickly to a point I just made, Doc Gooden in his 1985 season where he led the league in innings pitched and strikeouts he led the league with 276 innings pitched and 268 strikeouts. So he averaged less than a strikeout per inning, and he was known as the most dominant strikeout pitcher of his generation, winning the Cy Young that year, also to 1.53 ERA, and for those that care about wins, 24. So really, arguably top five most dominant 
pitching season in baseball history. And he didn't even strike out quote unquote that many guys in today's era, but enough on that. We will have a lot of more fun episodes throughout the season regarding our top five ever episodes. As we wrap up our top 10 series that we're concluding next week with the top 10 starting pitchers and top 10 relief pitchers in baseball. So Jack, unless there's anything else you want to throw in pitch clock, spring training, any Um, other rule changes. Um, really quick, just uh, yes, I agree with you. I think it's more so like about how you're not going to get the random, you know, NBA diehard probably won't be turning into baseball. More so, you'll get like the holistic. I'm a Yankees, Rangers, uh, Giants, Knicks fan. Maybe I'll devote instead of 10% of my attention to the Yankees, I'll up it to 20 because now during the summer, I can actually sit down and watch a game in the same kind of time it takes me to watch a Rangers or a Knicks game. And then to your final point about um, Dwight Gooden, that's 100% correct. And just for reference, this past year, Carlos Rodon led baseball in case per nine, striking out 11.98. So basically 12 batters per nine, three more than Dwight Gooden. And that's known as a historically great season, as you said. And while Rodon was extremely good, it was known as like an all-star Cy Young caliber, not even finishing in the top three. So certainly just speaks the volume of while, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, you know, the pitching mindset that goes along with the pace of play. And two things for, if you don't believe us, one, don't add us at side retired pod on Twitter, Instagram, unless you've actually watched the baseball game. I know people who've argued against us and they've appeared on the podcast for saying, I hate the pitch clock. I'm like, well, have you watched a game with it? I'm like, no. I'm like, so don't argue with us until you've actually watched the game. And two, the better experience to, in order to watch a game is to actually go to the ballpark. And if you want to go to the ballpark this upcoming season, mm-hmm. you can now do so with the official sponsor of major league baseball when it comes to second market ticketing and that is of course seat geek you can go to seatgeek.com and use the promo code side retired pod in all capitals of course that is our name at side retired pod you just do side retired pod in all capitals for 20 dollars your first order on seatgeek.com we love seeing people use the promo code so if you do remember on your instagram on your twitter whenever you actually go to the ballpark this upcoming season at us at side retired pod and we will of course repost it, repromote it, and see you all having fun at the ballpark, courtesy of us and the new MLB sponsor, SeatGeek. All right, I think that is now officially it. We do have a great interview coming up on Tuesday that'll probably be released Wednesday, another woman in sports for Women's History Month. If you haven't checked out our recent episode with Bianca Smith, the first ever female African-American coach in baseball history, make sure to do so. So Jack, until the next time, we'll be back and the side is retired.